Welcome to the Quantum Leopard podcast. Uh, Quantum Leopard is a multi-award winning, pay what you like, no punching down, no picking on the audience, gender balance booking, Central London Saturday night of lovely comedy, and this is its podcast. Every episode will have a recording of a real live set from one of our nights and an interview with the comedy brain behind it. Uh, we have uh, videos of full shows up on patreon.com forward slash Quantum Leopard, and that's going to have loads of sets that aren't in the podcast as well. Uh, we only charge when new live show videos come out. I'm your host and MC, James Ross, and this is Quantum Leopard. This episode we have wonderful Louisa Keats. Uh, this set was recorded on the 25th of September 2021 by Matt Hyten at 2 Northdown and the interview took place on the 26th of July 2022. Uh, we had one of our Quantum Leopard Champion of Champions winners in the last episode with Keris Bradley. Uh, so I thought why not Why not have uh, the joint winner for that year uh, for this one and that's the wonderful Louisa. So uh, quick contact warning for this one uh, mentions of uh, violence and also uh, BDSM. Uh, enjoy! I'm from Merseyside, which is the birthplace of the Beatles. Thank you. And the area where I grew up is very much like the Beatles in that everyone's white, the haircuts are shit, and the most commercially viable part of it was killed in the 80s. <laughs> that's uh, that's your and a Lennon joke, if you, if you like topical material. Um, you might be able to tell that I've lost my accent, like James, well, I, you know. Um, but that's because I went to a very posh university. And there's only so much that you can talk to rich people before you start pronouncing bath like bath, and laugh like laugh, and inheritance tax as a real bugger. <laughs> There's a lot of canals where I'm from. Um, people say they're very nice places to go for a walk. Now, I can't walk around canals because I'm a woman. And I don't want my options to be death or wet death. <laughs> but uh, a friend of mine got his hair cut on one of the barges during lockdown. Uh, and he went in and said to the guy, you know, is this legal? Uh, and the guy just muttered something about the law of the sea and started cutting his hair. <laughs> um, but I always wonder why it is that every book or play or film about the North is always called something like, Hey up lads, me mam's a kestrel. <laughs> And it always starts with something like, picture the scene. A thousand kettles boil simultaneously to rapturous orgasm. <laughs> A man covered in coal points to the heavens and in a pain screech sounds the words, looks like rain. <laughs> School children drink gravy from small cardboard cartons with straws. <laughs> the strong ones will be sent to the mines. The stronger ones will be sent to the pie shops. <laughs> the weak ones will be fed to less. 
an old woman covered in coal <laughs> climbs onto a bus racistly. <laughs> the passengers covered in coal <laughs> agree a piece of coal covered in coal. <laughs> Weeps in the street. Shaved my vagina the other week. <laughs> Gave myself a mullet. <laughs> Which, um, whatever you're picturing, is weirder. Uh, and my boyfriend was very perplexed because he shaves down, down there as well. Uh, he couldn't understand how I managed to do such a bad job. And I was like, well, it's the bit directly under you. You know, you can't, you can't reach it. Um, and then I started getting a little bit defensive. And I was like, but you can do a better job. Let me see your gooch. <laughs> pants down, balls out, let me see your gooch. Come on, pants down, balls out, let me see your gooch. <laughs> Pants down, balls out, let me see your gooch! <laughs> to be fair, it's a work of art. <laughs> Have you ever looked a man in the gooch and admitted you were wrong? <laughs> I'm always getting into screwball situations like that with lovers. For example, at university, I had a boyfriend who was sweet and lovely and kind and generous and really into femdom. <laughs> Do we know what femdom is? <laughs> it's not a pink condom. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, femdom is a kind of BDSM in which uh, the, the, the dominant partner is a woman. Um, so, for instance, uh, my boyfriend would often, during sex, say things like, oh, uh, say something really humiliating to me. Say something really humiliating to me. Uh, but because I went to a really posh university, I would just be like, oh, um, you're really bad at Greek. <laughs> um, and then one day, he said, I'd really like you to piss on me. No, you're right to be shocked. Uh, now, I'd never pissed on a man before or since. And I thought, at some point, I'm going to need to go to the toilet again. <laughs> and it might as well be on the man I love. <laughs> so um, we went into the bathroom, because uh, it felt cleaner, somehow. And he lay down in the bath, which is how all the sexiest stories begin. <laughs> and um, something I haven't really been saying about this story when I tell it on stage uh, is that we were both naked. Um, and logistically, that doesn't change much. But spiritually, <laughs> I think it changes everything. 
Uh, and so he lay down, and I kind of stood over him, and I began to urinate. And the thing is, the minute my we hit his bare chest, I realized I wasn't into it. <laughs> you know what? Not for me, not my cup of tea, not today. And the thing is, when you love someone, you kind of can tell just by looking at them, you know, what they're thinking. You know, that when you have that kind of like telepathic connection with someone. And I looked him in the eyes, and I realized he wasn't into it either. <laughs> but the thing is, I'm not great with my pelvic floor. <laughs> so I couldn't stop. And so, very like this set, I had to just keep going until it was finished. Um, and then, you know, he got up, washed himself off, into the bedroom, we never spoke of it ever again. Until, very recently, we went for a drink together. And I said, oh, I've been um, talking about the time that I pissed on you on stage. <laughs> and he said, when was that? And I said, what? <laughs> and then I proceeded to spend the next 30 minutes outside of Angel Tube Station trying to remind this man that I'd previously emptied the contents of my bladder onto his naked body. And I started using little things to try and jog his memory. So I was like, oh, it's uh, when you lived on Sydney Street in that lovely Victorian terrace. <laughs> and you had those kind of semi-ironic dinosaur print bedsheets. Um, and he, he eventually was like, oh, oh yeah, I think I kind of I remember. But that was after we'd had sex again. Um, yeah, no, there, there's no real end to that story. It's just quite sad. Uh, <laughs> uh, James, how long have I got? Uh, 30 seconds, It's not enough time to tell you my lovely, relatable bit about social smoking. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to leave it there. Thanks very much. You've been very nice. I've been Louis Keep. And that was Louisa Keat. Uh, Louisa, that was a great set. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for joining us. Um, so um, that set was recorded on the uh, 25th of September, uh, 2021. Um, and um, just to kind of like clarify uh, for people who've uh, not been to uh, Quantum Leopard uh, before or we've not seen uh, the recordings of the shows, um, we have uh, five acts in doing five minutes and the best of those by audience vote comes back for a 10 minute spot. Uh, and this is your winner's uh, 10 minute spot from that. Um, and also this is the set um, uh, that the best 10 over the course of the year by audience vote uh, wins the Quantum Leopard Champion of Champions Award, uh, which he won on the basis of this set, uh, jointly with Keris Bradley, who we've also got on in this uh, series. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So um, how were you feeling going into this gig? Like, how did you how did you find the audience? 
I couldn't see. I hadn't quite worked out how far forwards you actually need to stand on that stage um, so that the light <laughs> isn't directly in your eyes. And I remember telling the first joke and the audience, I mean, obviously the Quantum Leopard audience is so overwhelmingly warm. Um, and I, I, was, I was anxious going in because there's, a, there's an element of, I know that um, the same people come back. There's, you know, a real, a real loyalty to, to Quantum Leopard audiences. And I was a bit concerned about, well, obviously half of this is material I've already done. <laughs> and I want to make sure that it's still, you know, it's, are they still going to like it? Is it going to be, you know... Um, but with the first laugh, I remember immediately being like, okay, we're fine. We're good. We're, we're, all right. <laughs> we're in safe hands. And also it was that the, I couldn't see anything and it's so hot. And I just, there's sort of like the wall of applause kind of went up and I was like, great. I can't see anyone's face, but I can hear that they're having a good time. And that's, that's all I need. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if, um, obviously the, the podcast only has the recording, but if, if if um if the those on the Patreon can actually see the the video, um, I do look a bit stunned. I think <laughs> yeah. watching it back, I was like, there's a there's a blindness in those eyes. <laughs> I, I think you, you give the impression of somebody you can't see the audience, but is very reassured by the audience data that you're getting from your other four senses. Yeah, I think that's kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've gone comedy sonar. That's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like your, your opening here is like, I think it's really strong. Like it gets out in the first 30 seconds, like who you are, what makes you special and distinctive and like a one liner that is a really solid bankable laugh. Now, this is this is a really great approach to um, opening a set. I wish more acts would do this, um, especially when they're just starting out. Um, and like, is this was that like a deliberate strategy on your part? Because it's it feels very structured. Yeah, is it, and, yeah. I'm really glad that um, you picked up on this because it is it is 100% a tactic that I was told to do. Um, mm-hmm. This is Adam Brace delivered to me via Ahir Shah. And actually, what the reason why I mention Ahir is because I am doing an impression of Ahir. Um, <laughs> in the start, with the opening, um, I I always admired the way he 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 has a way of being like, hello, 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 my name is Ahir Shah, <laughs> and I've started sort of doing it because I feel like um, it almost feels like doing a run up into a jump. It, it helps yeah. me gather my energy to to coming on stage with with incredible confidence, and also um, I don't think much else about me is similar to him, so so nobody ever picks up on it. <laughs> but <laughs> that is it's a direct influence. Um, but yeah, so the um, the piece of advice was essentially why do you get to be on stage um and also what's going on like what 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 is this what is this that we're seeing and i think that um my kind of belief especially and also what you say about acts who are who are first starting out i think that so people are contradictory but stand-ups have to kind of earn the right to be like there is a there is a kind of shorthand that you have to immediately get out of the way. You have to walk on stage and say, this is the type that I am. And now I will proceed to play with your expectations of what a person who you think I am says and does. So yeah, to sort of start with, and also audiences kind of another thing I was told, um, some sort of advice that filtered down, it might've been brace. It might've been somebody else, but audiences smell fear yeah yeah you have to yeah no this this was actually um this was alice and thea scott's uh advice of 
the first minute is the make or break, right? So yeah. that first line, I have combined those those two pieces of advice to be like, it has to be very funny, but it also has to explain who I am a little bit. Yeah. And it's also sort of my litmus test. Like if I walk on stage in, you know, fuck off nowhere and I walk on stage and there's a room of 10 people, but I say that first line and they... I get a good response, I'm like, okay, great. But if I get a bad response, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Everything else was telling me I had to work hard, but now I really know I have to work hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good it makes line. Sense. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is, I think it's probably the only line of my set that I'm like, well, that's a joke, isn't it? <laughs> so if you don't like that, then where yeah. are we? <laughs> We're not going to be friends. <laughs> yeah. It's really handy, I think, having that sort of tuning fork joke right at the beginning. Because then it's like, well, here's a really good way of telling whether the problem is you or the problem is me for the rest of the set. Yes. (laughs) Tuning fork is exactly it. Exactly right. Um, So with your uh, bit about the accent. So that's, again, like it's a really nice, uh, well-structured bit. Really solid. Rule of three. Set up. Undercut. Um, Now, we both kind of like share the experience of being middle-class northerners who went to very good universities. Um, And I was just kind of wondering... Um, how you found that transition between the the social environments of, of Liverpool and Cambridge? Well, so actually, the, the quick thing I do want to say, because it, it sort of links back to um, what I was saying before about as a stand-up, you kind of earn the right to be three-dimensional. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk about where I'm from, but I'm aware that I sound like this. Um, yeah. It's not true. <laughs> I sounded like this before I went to Cambridge. Um, yeah. I was a very strange child, but I was also an only child. Uh, my parents can't have any more for medical reasons um and they uh, you know i wasn't interested in playing with the other kids i just like to go and kind of make up stories by myself um and they were like okay our child is broken uh we, <laughs> we need to do something about our, our strange introverted child that will not sort of play with other kids um and they sent me to a drama club mm-hmm. which backfired massively because obviously <laughs> now, <laughs> now i'm <laughs> desperate for attention at all costs um but it meant that they they spent you know this was early 2000s um drama club designed to get children to come out of their shell so they didn't really pay very close attention to preserving the regional dialects of the uh of the of the places that they went this is a sort of i think it was based in australia it's like a global thing so a lot of the um a lot of it was speech and a lot of it was not mumbling which i never had a problem with which just means that now I talk like this. But that is a long story and it's not necessarily funny or maybe it is and maybe there's a way to make it funny, but it's not quick enough. Yeah. So it just makes more sense to, you know, make a joke about the kind of person that you think I am. Yeah. And then here we are and there's your explanation. That's why I'm from the North, but I sound like this because I went to Posh University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, tra- the transition, which was your actual question, um, I was thinking about this before um the 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 fun answer is makeup um (laughs) i went from being a girl who was bad at makeup to a girl who was very very good at makeup and nothing about my makeup applying abilities changed other than my location (laughs) uh it wasn't uncommon in sixth form to go into you know going to school and see girls in in you know dressed you know full face as if you know they're on the red carpet yeah Yeah, yeah. and 
then I would, you know, I went to university and I remember in Freshers Week, there were girls going out wearing only, you know, mascara and concealer and I, I couldn't abide it. I couldn't, I couldn't understand. <laughs> I, I, I just, it was, and it was, it was less of a, it was less of a like, I mean, obviously there's an element of internalized misogyny there, I'm sure, but I, but more to me, it felt like, you know, like you weren't, you weren't wearing, you know, your underwear properly or something like that. I was just like, what do you, this is so strange. And people would be like, oh, Louisa, you're really good at makeup. Like, how did you get to be really good at makeup? And I was like, I just grew up in Liverpool. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not good at makeup. Like, I'm just, I, I, I went from, I went from feeling anxious that I was the only person at an event who wasn't wearing eyeliner to everybody being like, Louisa, can you do my eyeliner for me? Like, it, it, it's it's a, that was the main culture. No, uh, the other, the serious answer as well is that um, middle class is not the same thing. Right? Yeah, you, yeah. You go down and you're like, oh, I am middle class for St. Helens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, the, the things that, um, but that's less fun. I think the main yeah. culture shock I'm, I want to stick with is, uh, is the, the makeup. It's the makeup one. Which I it's think interesting because I, I approached Birmingham. Yeah, because I, I came from a yeah. I think we we have similar backgrounds, but displaced by about ten fifteen years. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a very similar thing, not from the makeup point of view, but the social dislocation of you are middle class for the north but you're not middle class when you go to Cambridge or when you then subsequently move to London to seek your fortune, right? Like, and that is, the goalposts shift massively. The, 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 also, the the interesting thing is, like, um, whilst my family, like, wasn't, we, we, you know, as I say, middle class, we did not struggle. Money was, you know, preserved, but present. Um, yeah. And I always remember a conversation I had with, a lot of my friends who are southern middle class, London middle class, and they were talking about sort of going on holiday and um, you know traveling around here and thereabouts. And the conversation went on for about I want to say half an hour, and I hadn't said a word. And I was like, "You guys are meant to be my friends, and you're not noticing that I'm a very loud person who is now very consciously <laughs> quiet." And I think I really wanted them to move off the subject because I was starting to feel really embarrassed that I just couldn't. I had no idea how I would ever be able to afford to go to like. Is it even still called Borneo? I don't know. And I was like, oh, I wish I wish I could go, you know, traveling. And um, this uh, this guy whose father is or was the director of a prominent London theater that I won't say the name of. Um, was like, oh, just get like a like a part time job, just get like a summer job. And I didn't really know how to tell him that, like, in my town, like, coffee jobs and like shop jobs go to people with families <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who like yeah. Yeah. live there year round and need to feed their families. Yeah. So your bit about um, a up lads, me mum's a kestrel. Now I fucking love this bit. Um, me and my wife quote bits of this to each other at least once a month and it's been like at least uh at least a year since we've seen it so again like you've got really i think you've really nailed the pace of this bit it's a really nice measured delivery callbacks built into it bridging jokes steady escalation into absurdity um like it's a, a really sort of tightly structured bit like i don't think there's i don't there's, there's not an ounce of fat on this uh, on this um, section. <laughs> it's nice, I like it. So, um, moving on to uh, your vagina. Thank you um, so much. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, I think you've got a really nice transition here because, like, as a, as a comic, I think you've got, 
You've got two choices when it comes to transitions between bits. You can have a seamless organic link between ideas or you can go for a jarring contrast that like cuts the tension that you've built up, right? That undercuts it and you can move on. So this is obviously a, a pretty classic example of option B. So um, now this bit here, uh, the sort of the, 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 the shaving and the, the interaction with your partner. So is this, um, is this a true story? Is this a true story with embellishments? Like how real is this? Um, I think it's pretty much 100% true, honestly. <laughs> Um, I including the, the quote co- critically including the quote I remember the conversation I remember forcing him to show me his gooch mm-hmm. um, the only the only embellishment actually is that at the time of recording he wasn't my boyfriend anymore um, and in the in the five that I did uh, at 21 Soho I think I did say because I did that the day after we broke up. Oh yeah, I remember and I, now. Yeah, and I felt like I had to. I, I I feel a very strong sense of I don't know truth or a duty to the and also and also a duty to myself as a newly single woman to to advertise that fact. <laughs> um, but it felt it felt too soon and it felt it felt strange and um and then I kind of I spent a long time trying to work out you know, whether to tell that joke as, you know, he used to be my boyfriend, but that kind of sets it too far in the past Mm. because the idea is it's something that happened fairly recently. Um, And I went with, uh, I settled for the art rather than the prospect of getting laid uh, in the, although I, I I did at one point have, uh, an audience member kissed me and then say, "Didn't you say you had a boyfriend?" Um, so <laughs> you know, oh, was it, that it does Qua- back. Was that at Quantum Leopard? Or yeah. was that, uh... <laughs> no, no. Oh well, well, okay. No, different time, different time. But okay. um, it it uh, it did uh, cut that out. I'm hoping that could be part of our pitch to acts is that it. like Quantum Leopard um, will get you laid. But it is, like... it is true. It did. It the the it, it did cause confusion. Um, and then I actually started dating somebody new and I added into the set the fact that another true conversation took place which was where I told him about this bit where I talked about my ex-boyfriend and his immaculate gooch and then I was like let me see your gooch (laughs) and I looked at his gooch and once again immaculate Um, so then I incorporated that into the set where I was like oh I know how to pick him I don't know. Uh, and then, you know, the new person with the immaculate gooch broke up with me. And then the whole thing became just too painful <laughs> and too layered. <laughs> it's just like, I, I don't do it anymore, which is such a shame because it's a very funny line. But um, it, it, just, it just, for some reason. The image of immaculate gooch is too redolent of emotional trauma. So you can't, you can't face it. It's now, I think it's, I think once a joke has been through two different boyfriends, it's time to maybe retire or update it it will it will feature in my edinburgh show um but i've managed to i think i've managed to tweak it so that it makes sense that it's an ex-boyfriend rather than yeah a a current boyfriend which may be better um but yeah i did i did have to retire it for a bit (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting how that's like evolved over time and evolved with your emotional reaction to the bit um i think it's important to make those sorts of changes if you can't tell a story truthfully in a way that you're happy with Mm. then i think you do need to change that because as you say an audience smells fear but they also smell bullshit right Mm. like they they know when you're 
tweaking stuff when you're not particularly comfortable with the story. So I think that that makes makes sense. So the the other story that you tell is the 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 other uh, ex boyfriend uh, the the piss anecdote. So um I thought you I mean this is definitely the right place to have this in a set right like definitely can't open with this right uh, the audience definitely needs to be brought into your world before you can uh, like spring this story on them. So uh, I think you did a really good job of um, like timing uh, that story well like you know within the story as well like you let the lines breathe and again it's another one that's like really tightly written so every line is a bridging joke or an observation or an amusing form of words and so on and so forth. So um, I, I, I suppose my question here is first one is just from a technical point of view in terms of like the pacing has this story always been told at that speed? So much to consider with this one. Um the the what you say about the the delivery is very interesting and also the the thing about the audience needs to be brought into my world i've noticed two things about this one being i have to deliver it with no sense of anxiety or fear yeah. or no yeah. because the minute i show any kind of discomfort or any idea and and, and part of that i think is to do with the 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 way that consent works in this story yeah um any discomfort on my part becomes the story of a trauma yes <laughs> rather than <laughs> the story of something funny that happened to me yeah so it's very much something that i have to get a hundred percent right which is also why it needs to come so much further in in the mm, the, mm, the, mm. the downside of that is is when i've it still forms quite the bulk of the existing material that I have. And therefore, if it's all I have to rely on when I have to fill up a, a 10 minute set, then I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm going kamikaze. I'm going in with a piss story and you're going to hate it. <laughs> but I can't leave the stage until I've spoken for 10 minutes. Um, so, yeah. So um, the other thing about that is I've noticed I've, pl- I've played a lot. I've played a lot, lot, lot with it sometimes delivering it more quickly works because it creates more of a matter of fact moment and sometimes the tension is too much for people um and also i push the tension sometimes too far and then people um say the punchline back to me which is never good so it's it's something i've played with quite a lot but it originally was just an anecdote that i told people it was literally just something that i was saying (laughs) that I'd never really told anybody the story of before. And I was like, this actually happened to me. This is weird, right? Um, it was on Wheel of Misfortune. I submitted it to the Fern Brady and Alison Spittle podcast. I heard it there. Yeah, I, I thought I recognised that voice yeah, this was this story. Was long be- well, this was before it was stand-up. This was yes. when it was just a story. And um, and I just, I didn't even consider writing it into stand-up. I, I don't know why. I just didn't, it didn't occur to me. Um and then I was at a gig in Cambridge, um, at what I, what I would what I would horribly refer to as a as a towny gig, um, <laughs> and I um, I was setting myself. I'm very bad at writing new material. Um, I'm bad at sitting down and writing. And my best ideas sort of come when I'm bouncing off other things that are happening or or other people. Um, and so what I was trying to do was think of things to say on stage that were based off things the other acts had said. 
and doing the sort of you know writing down notes and, and thinking of stuff and i think somebody mentioned you know pissing on somebody at a post jellyfish sting or, or, or some situation where that would be warranted and i i legitimately thought that they were going to go down the um down the kink route uh with the joke and they didn't and i think i got to actually the end of my set and i'd, I'd already run out of time and I think I said something like, oh, I was going to talk about the time that I'd pissed on a guy. <laughs> and everyone was like, please tell that story. Like, the audience <laughs> was like, yeah. And then I turned to the promoter and I was like, can I tell the story? I've run over time. And he was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just, I essentially improvised it on stage. Or, or, or I, improvise is the wrong word because I told it before, but I essentially told it like a story yeah and found the punchlines where they came and it was the first time that i'd done any kind of story like stand-up because everything else is is a thought <laughs> and this is the first time that it that it felt very it's the most me i think i am in the set for, for better or yeah. worse because yeah, it is yeah. how i deliver stories it's how i tell people things mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so yeah it's um it's had it's come a long way um and i think it's yeah i'm proud of it but i fear it so i mean like you reference in the bit it not having a proper ending like does it have a proper ending now yeah oh my god so when i watched the clip back i was amazed because i was like wow that's a really bad ending to a set I can't believe I won. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely, I was like, I can't believe I got away with that. That was really bad. Um, yeah. It. So it does have a proper ending now because now I relate. I mean, it, proper ending is is difficult. I I now relate it to um, a diagnosis I had last year of borderline personality disorder and the kind of attachment and fears and anxieties that come with that and the idea of sort of going along with what, what people want from me because I want them to like me. Um, and yeah, I've, I've sort of tied it into that and I'm working on an ending where I point out that actually I looked up the definition, because I looked up the definition of femdom, right? And actually, true femdom is not about a male partner's desires so it wasn't even real femdom <laughs> <laughs> um it'll do for now yeah yeah lovely spoken like uh... a true not a proper stand-up <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if there's one thing that you could say to yourself at the age of 18 what would it be all of the problems that you currently have are caused by the fact that you don't eat enough carbs <laughs> solid succinct <laughs> love it. okay excellent so uh louisa thank you so much for uh, a lovely interview thanks for a lovely set thank you for talking to me as well um so uh if you want to catch up with your stuff um out and about on the internet keep up with what you're doing where should they where should they find you so you can find me on instagram um at louisa keat vivo which is a very fun joke for those who were around in the 2010s which should be everybody listening to this podcast um you can also find me uh, at louisa keat on twitter uh, and my website is louisakeat.com, where you can find everything that I'll be up to, including um, a monthly night that I run called Hot Gossip in Walthamstow. Love yourself. Tell us about Hot Gossip. Hot Gossip is a female-led, non-binary inclusive comedy night in Walthamstow. Uh, it's run monthly, and you can find us on Instagram at Hot Gossip Comedy. 
um, previous headliners include Helen Bauer, Jen Ives, and Chloe Petz. Uh, all three of those former Quantum Leopard competition winners. Yeah. Just, uh, so it's elite and <laughs> rarefied company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Love yourself. Love yourself. Oh, thanks so much, Louisa, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye bye. Bye. was the quantum leopard podcast uh, if you want to catch a live show in london look us up at uh, linktree uh, forward slash quantum leopard to sign up to the mailing list uh, we will never take advertising because advertising is cultural poison but from each according to their ability to each according to their need so if you enjoyed our guests in your ears but would like them in your eyes as well uh, we have uh, videos of whole shows up on patreon.com forward slash quantum leopard we only charge when a new live show video comes out if you enjoyed the show why not give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and or share this episode on the socials editing was by uh, Reese Lawton who is uh, conventionally attractive and fun at parties uh, music was composed and produced by Rooks Production Services at, at I Am Rooks on the socials that's Rooks with an E uh, the Quantum Leopard podcast is distributed and licensed under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license which means you can share as much as you like but don't uh, change it or sell it in any way because I will find out where you live uh, kind love and see you soon bye me but like 50% more punk rock.